Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today on Core Principles, I'm pleased to welcome back to the program a Shulman Journalism Fellow at the David Horowitz Freedom Center an investigative journalist for Front Page magazine, a man who is reviled by the wicked group called Southern Poverty Law Center, but respected and appreciated by fine people like Mark Stein, Mark Levin, Victor Davis Hanson, and Tucker Carlson. Welcome back to Core Principles, Daniel Greenfield. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. Well, you've contributed several chapters in an important new book called Barack Obama's True Legacy, which was compiled by Jamie Glazoff. And today we're going to discuss some of the ways Obama has pursued what I call his anti-American declaration to fundamentally transform this nation. And yes, listeners, I have declared that Obama has been pursuing an anti-American goal since before he was president, while he was president, and still. And I have said since 2008, Obama hates America. And here's how you listeners can prove it for yourself. Tell any important person in your life these two things. Number one, I love you. And number two, I want to fundamentally transform you into someone completely different. And that person will know that statement number one is not only not true, it's the opposite of truth. And so Obama's stated desire to fundamentally transform this nation is a declaration by him that he hates this nation. So Daniel Greenfield, today I'm going to ask you about two ways, particularly that Obama has pursued his goal of fundamentally transforming this nation. And the first has to do with foreign relations. You write about Obama's deliberate and I would characterize as vicious betrayal of Israel. And you observe that the betrayal of Israel comes down to how Obama and Biden both see America before they rejected and betrayed Israel. They rejected and betrayed America. And we'll get specific about their anti-Israel actions. But first, please explain what this means that they first rejected and betrayed America. So going back to 2005, 2006, Obama was delivering speeches about foreign policy, and the emphasis of those speeches was that the problem with the world was America. American power was making the world a worse place, and what we needed to do to fix the world was to take the power out of the equation, make America much less influential, much less powerful abroad, betray our allies, including obviously Israel, but uh, all our allies, all the countries aligned with us in the Middle East, uh, reward our enemies, and then the Middle East would be a much better place because the whole problem with the Middle East was America, not, you know, thousands of years of warfare. America was the problem. And he went on to do this when in office. Uh, he went on to do this by cutting our traditional relationships with uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, um, countries in North Africa that were traditional allies, trying to build a relationship with Iran, with various Islamic terrorist groups, including the Muslim Brotherhood, and of course, ending the relationship or damaging it as much as possible with the state of Israel. Wow. Now, uh, I want to ask you, uh, there were there were two of the betrayals of our 
ally Israel that you highlight in this great new book, Obama's True Legacy. Uh, one involves the rise of ISIS and the funding of the murder of Israelis is the other. Uh, Daniel Greenfield, how did Barack Obama contribute to the rise of the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria or ISIS? So before they were calling themselves ISIS, they were called Al-Qaeda in Iraq. Uh, the Bush administration, now I happen to think there were fundamental mistakes made involving the war in Iraq, but the Bush administration had relatively stabilized things uh, before Obama came in and decided that the uh, stable order that had been created, relatively stable order, terrorism was down, needed to be taken apart. Uh, the old traditional... Um, Sunni uh, Anbar awakening, the people who had allied with the United States were completely ignored and discarded. Iran was allowed to take over Iraq, which is still really pretty much the case to this day. Much of Iraq is dominated by Iran. As a result, uh, the Sunni Shiite civil war broke out in, uh, in earnest again, uh, and ISIS, Al Qaeda in Iraq, became transformed into ISIS. Uh, it used this newfound fighting to elevate itself to not only try to take over Iraq but also parts of Syria, and the Obama administration backed away, let that happen, ignored it, pretended that there was no problem, called them the JV team, until finally they were on the verge of actually advancing on Baghdad, and then there was a very, very limited and narrow intervention, which consisted of dropping flyers followed by later bombs. Incredible. And we did watch this happen. Uh, it's tough to remember these details, and that's one of the great benefits of your uh, contributions to this superb new resource, this book uh, about Obama's true legacy. And next, I wanted to ask you about how Obama funded the murder of Israelis. And I try to stay informed, Daniel Greenfield, but I confess that this horrific episode had eluded my notice back in 2017. I suspect that a lot of our listeners would benefit from specific context for my next question. So with your indulgence, I'm going to read a brief passage from one of your chapters in this new book, Obama's True Legacy. It says, quote, a few weeks after the mass murder of Israelis in Jerusalem, the Obama administration rushed to transfer $221 million in funds to the Palestinian Authority, which the Republicans, of course, had been blocking. Just hours before President Trump was inaugurated in January 2017, Secretary of State John Kerry rushed the money to the terrorists, and that $221 million amounted to a sizable percentage of what was called pay-to-slay budget that was used to incentivize murders like these against the Israelis, and it paid off. The number of Israelis killed in terrorist attacks did, in fact, increase. Now, Daniel Greenfield, please elaborate for our listeners how Obama has been so horrifically working against our ally Israel as part of his desired fundamental transformation of this nation. I'd be happy to. I should also bring in some contemporary statistics just to show the reverse impact of this. Uh, in 2020, President Trump cut off all aid to the Palestinian Authority. That year, only three Israelis were murdered. Uh, this year, um, Biden has restored uh, as much aid as he can. This year, already 20 Israelis have been murdered. 
So there is a pay-to-play program. That's what uh, p- critics call it. The PLO calls it the Martyrs Fund. Basically, it works like this. You kill Israelis, you go to prison, they start paying you a salary of thousands of dollars um, a month in a place where that is, you know, a really high-end professional salary. If you are killed, they pay the money to your family. If you get out of prison, they provide you with all sorts of benefits, uh, including these days they're building luxury condominiums even for these people once they're released from Israeli prison if they're released from Israeli prison, because they also take Israelis hostage in order to secure the release of their terrorists. Bottom line is they incentivize the murders. When you see people being killed on, in the evening news, it's not random. There's nothing coincidental about it. Uh, it's being incentivized because these people know if they kill Israelis, they will make a good deal of money or their families will make a good deal of money. Uh, this is the horrifying crime that is subsidized by the United States government. Now, the Congress passed something called the Taylor Force Act. Uh, Taylor Force was a non-Jewish United States um, ex-Marine who was um, studying in Israel. He was stabbed to death. His killer was uh, incentivized by these um, monthly salaries. Congress passed a law banning the transfer of money that can subsidize these murders. The Biden administration is defying the law by continuing to fund this. But this began under Obama. Biden's people are Obama's people. They insisted on providing a ton of money. This money was used to fund the murder of Israelis. And we see the contrast with the Trump administration, where once you cut off the money, the murders drop. Once you bring the money back, the murders go way up. That is incredible and despicable. And uh, like I say, as much as I try to stay informed, these specifics had eluded me and you're... uh, you're digging into and researching this is so valuable and listeners uh, this book barack obama's true legacy uh, includes a vast array of notes where you can go to the original sources that daniel greenfield and his co-authors went to to come up with this research Uh, these are not opinions these are documented facts and it's very much worth purchasing and sharing these books with your friends and family. Um, Before we move to our next topic regarding racial strife and domestic terror here in the United States, I want to ask you just point blank, Daniel Greenfield, if I believed that Barack Obama was an Islamist, would you be inclined to convince me I was incorrect about that? No, he was very closely aligned with them. Uh, His background was Islamic. I mean, this has been uh, gone into. We have essays in the book dealing with this. But uh, when he was in Indonesia, he was very much exposed to um, his mother's boyfriend who was, at, who was promoting an Islamist government that conducted genocide massacre of Christians, of Chinese people, of other non-Muslims. Uh, he hooked up with Jeremiah Wright, who started out in the Nation of Islam uh, under Farrakhan. So these are very much his influences. What his private beliefs are, you know, only God knows, but we know who he has helped and who he has worked with. Yes. And listeners, I'm just going to amplify that that last part by me and by Mr. Greenfield was just educated speculation. We're not making a claim there. The rest of what we're talking about, as you will be able to find for yourself, are documented facts. Well, now let's look at Obama's treachery that was more centrally focused within the United States. You make the case, and all of us 
could easily have observed this, that Barack Obama deliberately stoked the flames of racial division, strife, and even domestic terror. I'd like to ask you, Daniel Greenfield, to please explain how Obama did some of those things. Well, when Obama first uh, got into the public scene, there was a famous speech at the DNC. Uh, he said, there is not a black America, there's not a white America, there's the United States of America. This is the platform he ran on. This is why so many people voted for him. They saw him as the guy who would actually usher America into this post-racial, post-racist society. And when you look at polls at the time, uh, black people, white people generally said race relations were good. Then you fast forward uh, to 2010, 2012, the Republicans are gaining. Uh, Obama and his party are starting to lose. Obama starts getting worried. He brings out the racial tension. And this is a progressive program, and you see it actually around election years. That's why really the growth of these racial tensions and then the race rights all really coincide with election years, including, of course, in 2020. Uh, this is a racial turnout mechanism. But really, it hits its peak in 2014. You have the Ferguson riots. Uh, Obama, Eric Holder was the attorney general at the time. Uh, they do everything to amplify it. Uh, they send in the community relations team, which is a kind of secretive organization of community organizers within the Justice Department. Uh, they harass, they intimidate the local police. They uh, give Black Lives Matter leaders a national platform for the first time. Even later on, when five police officers are murdered in Dallas by a Black Lives Matter activist, Obama shows up at the funeral and the of the police officers and defends Black Lives Matter. So he is very determined to promote Black Lives Matter. His donors, his political allies, are the ones who fund it, who give it national prominence. And the race riots, the violence, uh, that absolutely helps him make the case. Because increasingly, Obama is unable to make the case for any kind of post-racial society, and he doesn't want to. What he makes the case for is that America is racist. Uh, Black Lives Matter helps him make the case. And the more racial tensions grow, two things happen. First of all, he boosts black uh, turnout, which is key to the Democrats. It becomes more key than ever, especially once they lose the white working class vote. And he also is able to use white guilt as advantage to say that, look how racist America is. You've got these riots. You've got these people being killed. Uh, America is racist. You need to vote for me to atone for your guilt. Uh, this is a key part of why he still ends up in office in 2012 and why he's able to cling to power for so long. He divides Americans. He tears apart the country. He betrays his original promise of there is not a white America or a black America in order to get power for the left and for himself. That's so observably true and accurate. And I appreciate your boldness in uh, stating and writing about these things. Uh, there's no animus embedded in there. These are observations of a tragedy that doesn't need to be the case. Americans can choose to be Americans united in these United States, but the division is being pushed on purpose. And in 2020, I know we saw uh, just horrific burning of cities all based on a lie. Uh, and I, I spoke with uh, your good friend, David Horowitz, on this program about some of this, uh, about uh, the false narratives behind George Floyd. But 
listeners, you could remember and go back to the archives of 60 Minutes. Scott Pelley on that program asked the attorney general who was prosecuting the uh, miscreant uh, uh, Derek Chauvin police officer. Uh, like, why didn't you add hate crime to the charges against Derek Chauvin? And the attorney general, uh, I think Ellison in Minnesota said, we looked, we could find no evidence that race had anything at all to do with the death of George Floyd. Yet they let and perpetrated the lie that this was all about race so that people would burn down cities and be at odds one against another. So choose listeners to love one another, to be united and not let these leftists push you into resentment against other people. Anything you want to add to that thought, Daniel Greenfield? Absolutely. And this is really the great tragedy. Before Obama, generally white people, black people rated race relations positively. Now they rate them negatively. So this is so much perception that life really changed for people, that white people become more racist, that black people become more oppressed than Obama. No, this is perception, and this is how the media, how the political establishment creates a divisive reality that has no basis in fact. Listeners, the, the new book is called Obama's True Legacy, How He Transformed America. And we've only scratched the surface of a couple of the many, many horrible attacks that Obama's made against this nation. But the book gives a great detail. It gives original source references to remind you and to inform you uh, of many ways, these and others, of, of this war against America has been perpetrated and continues in what I would call Obama's third term by the hapless proxy, the ridiculous form of the worthless brain dead Joe Biden. So please get a copy of Obama's true legacy and study it. And I want to thank you, Daniel Greenfield, for your contributions to this important book and for once again being my guest on Core Principles. God bless you. Thank you so much, and thank you for a great conversation. Core Principles podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.
God bless you. Thank you, sir.